Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. As we've alluded to on our other shows, this offseason, our Crack Rackets team attempted to speak with every Power 5 men's and women's head coach employed throughout the college tennis world. We asked each of them about their team's respective 2021 seasons and what we should expect from them here in 2022. Of course, we also offered them a platform to share their thoughts on some of the big picture topics in college tennis. It is a fantastic series that our team is ecstatic to finally start sharing with the broader college tennis community over the next six weeks. Fans can expect no fewer than 10 episodes a week to be posted on this feed. A huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their support with this series. Remember, go to tennis-point.com right now. Use that promo code CR15 to express your thanks. With all of that said, we're ready to get to today's episode. So Westoff, hit those credits. Let's start today's show. Joining us on the podcast for the first time today is someone you may know best from her collegiate playing career at the University of Wisconsin. Of course, now we know her as the head coach of the Maryland women's tennis team. Welcome to the show, Coach Katie Doherty. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me. And I know I speak for a lot of us. Thanks for all you're doing for college tennis. No, I appreciate that. Listeners, I am blushing just so you all know. But, uh, you know, before we get into your team, your season, before I pick your brain, I have to always ask this question because, look, I have been watching college tennis my entire life. And obviously, I have a passion for it. I know why I'm still in the sport. But for someone like you, you play collegiately, you go right into the coaching ranks. I'm curious, what is it about college tennis? that you have always gravitated towards? You know, I had such a great experience and I value, you know, what I had, you know, I played at Wisconsin. I had a great coach, great teammates, just, you know, I mean, Madison's, you know, still one of the greatest places on earth. And, you know, I, I, I valued that. I, I worked at a country club for six months after I graduated and I'm just such a competitive person that I wanted to get right back in, you know, on it and, you know, just, got in a little, I got in early, I got in lucky. I think it's changed a lot how, how coaches get in, but, you know, I was able to get in an American right after I graduated and kind of, kind of took off from there. And I had some great mentors. I mean, the men's coach at American when I was there, it was, um, uh, Martin Blackman. I mean, if you can imagine, so like, I mean, he was the, he was the men's coach there. So, you know, I got a great start. It was, you know, Penn state, Wisconsin, Iowa, Maryland. I mean, I've, been torn around the Big Ten here since 1998. So you know. I love it. A Big Ten woman through and through. And obviously, I'm a former Michigan man. So it's something that appeals to me. And we're not going to make this a plug for Wisconsin. But I will say this. Madison is awesome. Like, yeah. there's no denying that I could see how that would be a fond experience for you. And uh, look, as someone who has had every college tennis season, you know how important the fall is for setting the tone for your roster. Now the Big Ten was particularly brutalized by all the regulations that emerged due to COVID. So let's just start there. How frustrating was last fall? I know everyone was dealing with it, but how frustrating was last fall for your team? And, you know, just how difficult was it to deal with, you know, the only Big Ten schedule? It was brutal. (laughs) You know, we can't can't beat around the bush and we can't belabor it, but it uh, it was brutal. And I think especially for some of us out on the East Coast that, you know, Alex, I can play 
three teams with the name George in them in within a 10 mile radius, you know, and first match they send us out to, you know, they put us on a plane out to, you know, Ann Arbor and East Lansing. And it, it was frustrating. We had no fall. I mean, we were allowed to play one event um, up at Rutgers. We were supposed to play another one at Penn State before the whole thing started, but they had a COVID issue. So, um, you know, we had a lot of kids that hadn't played in a long time in a competitive setting. And, um, you know, it's in really important for freshmen to get their feet under them with, with that competition. And losing that was brutal. And then just, you know, starting off just straight into the Big Ten, we had about two weeks notice and it was it, it was go time. Yeah, no. And when you look, you know, throughout the course of your season, obviously three and 16 is not a record that you hold yourself to the standard you guys hold. But when you look at that match, I do think it's worth noting, you know, you only lost seven once. Like there were a lot of competitive matches up and down the roster, up and down the you know schedule for your team. I'm curious, you know, how you guys, you know, how you deal with the frustrations of perhaps not coming out on top, but still seeing the growth from your team throughout the course of the year to the point where at the Big Ten tournament, again, you beat Rutgers, you beat Nebraska, you get a couple of wins to end your year. You know, I think as a coach, we always think that, you know, you, you plan for some bumps in the road, but I would describe our season as a crater that we drove the van right into. I mean, we had, you know, two season ending injuries. We, you know, were down to six scholarship players. At one point, you know, we, we had, for a long time, we had um, a non-scholarship player in at six who did a fantastic job for us. But we really, you know, started to get to the point where we only had a couple ways to win a match, right? That's with the doubles point. That's with Diana. Um, and Alexandrova winning and then finding one more, right? And then we had, you know, we had the COVID issue. <laughs> we, had, we had various things that happened. And, you know, we're playing teams that have 10 kids on scholarship. And it was just a lot of things went wrong. But at the end, a lot of things went really well, you know, and the team really pulled together and they hung in there. And, you know, I was fortunate to have a great staff that hung in there with me and, um, you know, we put it together in pieces. We had some great individual performances but yeah I mean it was brutal there's no way to to sugarcoat it. It, it it was a tough year but to end the way we did was just you know beating Nebraska 4-3 under the lights at one o'clock in the morning in Madison I mean can't script it any better and I was just so happy for this crew that it fought, you know the work and continuing to show up and continuing to believe actually you know came to fruition yeah and you talk about the issues with the roster and just you know again finding healthy bodies Regardless of the numbers, talk to me about the effort you saw from your team throughout the course of the season. Because again, I, you mentioned the fact you're playing a non-scholarship player, number six singles, and just again, putting six players on the courts at time was difficult for your team. Talk about just again, that fight you saw from them. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, and you know, she won the deciding match for us against yeah. Indiana. I mean, it was unbelievable. You know, she beat a fifth year senior. I mean, just there, everyone was in and out. I mean, you can't pretend that, you know, I mean, everyone where they were with feeling COVID or online classes or whatever that is. And, you know, we have all these engineers on the, that are just swamped um, continuously is, you know, we didn't get as many consistent practices as I, as I would have liked. I think if we did, we had, would have had a little bit more success, but I think we asked a lot of the players last year. I think we asked a lot of the staff. I think we, we all kind of asked a lot of ourselves and um, you know, we got through it and it's a new year and, you know, we launched people off to jobs and, and different schools and, you know, trying to put it behind us. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm curious in terms of the problem solving you guys did in doubles, because you look overall and you talk about, again, just having to play different teams throughout the course of the year, you guys played nine, which given the roster you guys had, again, that, that speaks to the switching. 
Did you learn anything about the system last year? Any you know, I know you guys bring back I think only return two returners from last yeah. year, but are there are there different pieces you take away? Because I'm sure nine doubles teams is not the standard number you're looking for. No, but you know, I think we might even have more this year, to be honest, Alex, because we've so you know, I have six new players and we gotta figure yeah. out where everyone lands and we have one coming in January and gotta figure out where she is in the mix. But you know, we figured out last year, we were like, look, we have a very good one doubles team. You know, we can get one there and then just find another one. I mean, that's kind of where we got to and it worked a couple of times. And, you know, they, unfortunately, I think, you know, if, if Ayana and Yeva could have finished a couple more matches, they were a very good team. So, um, you know, we want to put them at least in a position where they can play the best and, and, and progress there. Yeah. I, and I imagine, again, you know, those two having the success they did, what that does for the rest of your team and, you know, the pressure that eases off uh, or that, you know, takes off of them. But I'm curious because obviously you look at the records and, you know, three through six singles, that's where you guys took some lumps. Is that the biggest difference between college tennis now and college tennis 2005, 2006? It feels like you know, the number one team of 2005 is probably just as good as the number one team in 2022, but it's team ranked number 40, team ranked number 50, 60, 70, that would just kill their counterparts from decades ago. Is it the depth that's the biggest difference? Absolutely. I think, I think you know, across the board, I mean, top 75, just the depth is unbelievable, and it's, you know, it's international recruiting, it's new facilities, it's, it's, there's a, there's a variety of reasons why that is. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, we're deeper than ever. And then add in, you know, another uh, year of eligibility for a lot of, I mean, it's going to be even better, you know, next year. And I think there were some, just some teams that were absolutely loaded this year. I mean, mm-hmm. just as a, I mean, we'll look back on it fondly with a lot to talk about, but I mean, it was, it, it was interesting to see these teams that were just top to bottom, unbelievable. It's incredible that North Carolina was so clearly going to win the 2020 national championship. Like I was at the national and they were so much better than everyone else. And it's like last year they were not. And it's just, yeah, you're right. That speaks to the incredible amount of talent. And, you know, you reference this, you bring in five new players to the team this year. And even before we get into them, how nice has it been for you, the coaching staff to just have a full fall once again with your team? Unbelievable. I've never been so happy to pull up to a Panera, you know, I mean, we're just, we're, we're right back in the season mode. You know, we, uh, we started out in New York and, you know, my sister and I are figuring out vans and all that. And I'm like, nah, we're going old school. We're getting a big, one big van. Everyone's going together. You know, we're, we're, we're going to make the most of it. We're going to go to, you know, Times Square. We're going to do all that and just really be a team and, and feel that again. Cause you know, it was, it was supposed to not have team meals and every last year was just brutal and it it was just fun again i mean the fall is is a grind i mean these three-day tournaments are are tough but you know, we, we had a good time and you know players got what they needed some got 12 matches you know kind of varying levels of, of what people need and what what they were doing during um, covid and lockdown and and just seeing who everybody is and what they're all about i mean that's a lot of new players and you know everybody you know i i, I told our two returners like look you know slate's clean you be whoever you want to be this year I'm, I'm not thinking about last year one bit mm-hmm. you know you, you start fresh with me every single year who's driving the van that's me oh that's pressure new, new york city come on yeah. <laughs> i'll tell you what when i was my first year coaching at american in dc i had to parallel park a 15 passenger van every single day <laughs> so life skills that you learn as a coach that was that was me i didn't want to put ruth under the gun in, in the city 
That's what I'm saying, because Iowa driving, Madison driving, you know, Penn State driving is not New York City driving. No. It's not no. D.C. driving. I went to the City Open this fall, and how many times did I miss a roundabout exit? Every oh. time. Yeah, because it's just, yeah, it's just like, what lane am I supposed to be in here? And K turns into, man, I'm just like, I'm lost. Um, but all of that, until you hit the White House, I'm like, nope, not that building. Um, but, you know, all that said, you talk about turning the page. And I'm curious, what have been the focuses? for your team this fall so many coaches speak to you know the fall being a developmental period what does that mean to the maryland program getting everybody tons of matches consistent practices individuals just getting everybody back on track and getting to know i mean we have so many new players just getting to know them what makes them tick you know what where what do you need from us what can we do for you um you know getting everybody just a lot of trying to do a lot of team practices just to build when you have all those new players um, in and then getting as much competition as we can. I mean, we were kind of limited, even, even our spring schedule, you'll see like, you know, we built the schedule off thinking maybe we wouldn't be able to fly out of, you know, just, and we're, we're lucky being on the East coast. There's so many schools, all the IVs. I mean, we're very fortunate with the schedule we can build, but um, you know, just trying to get everybody a lot of local competition here and, you know, some kids, you know, needed a little bit of the confidence club. Some needed shots at ranked players. It just, it, 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 it depended on the, on the player, but, you know, mm-hmm. building some camaraderie, like, you know, all the things we weren't able to really do for, for a year. Well, it's, it's so interesting to hear you say that because one topic I've been exploring with so many coaches is just what is the role of the fall? And obviously you talk about the individual development, but knowing how, inexperienced together your team is because i know there are some players who have had experience in the past but just this unit you know they haven't competed together as a unit and when you look at that team you maybe think oh you know what would be really helpful is let's get some hidden duel matches in that said you've also talked about the you sh- i just listeners there's a nice smile that went on coach doherty's face that threw me off there i apologize uh, but you know you look at that versus the individual development and maybe that individual development comes best in individual events I'm curious, you know, how you balance the fall. And I, I think we're, we might see a trend of hidden duels start to emerge. Is that something you guys consider playing this uh, fall? I think we will next fall. And mm-hmm. I think the the fall is so individualized because you may have a player coming back that had an internship at Merrill Lynch and worked 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, or you have a kid that played professional tournaments all summer. I mean, people come back, you know, and you got to meet them where they are and meet that need. That being said, yeah, I mean, I know people feel different ways about hidden duels. I, I think there's a lot of value in them. I think for a young team, there's a ton of value. And I think you know, even to kick, to kick off the spring, you know, to get everybody together and, and feel what that is, because it's a totally foreign feeling for a freshman or whoever that is just, you know, I mean, I think there's a big adjustment anyway with how rah-rah, you know, everything is from your practice to matches. It's, you know, it's an adjustment for a lot of people and usually takes I, I think it takes a semester to get your feet under you you know and figure out the school and you know so many athletes are coming in from online school and you know have never haven't been in a classroom maybe even their whole high school career so just you know getting everybody dialed in and and, and ready to go and I think that looks different for everybody mm-hmm. and you know talking about dialed in was a good fall for your team, certainly you look at the Super Regional, you had two doubles teams into the quarters, one into the semis, you had some round of 16 and singles and success in the back draw. Talk to me about the growth you've seen from your roster. Give me the standouts. Who's looked good? You know, we, uh, 
Bromfeld and Kadara had seven match points on that ODU team. <laughs> yeah. We were up 7-1. Uh, yeah. That was brutal, but <laughs> yeah. still recovering from that one. But, uh, <laughs> you, you know, we, we did have a good fall. And the, the format that the Atlantic region that we're in chose to play with the regional and super regional was really fun. Mm -hmm. And I thought a lot of opportunities for big schools, smaller schools. I mean, I think the best players were already in the super regional. I, th I think they did a good job of selecting that. And then the play-in opportunity was really fun. You felt like you're playing for something and, you know, another day to play in. And, um, you know, I, the, our players that had the best, most consistent practices at the end of the fall were just taken off. Um, you know, I think Kadar is going to be, you know, one of our top players that transferred from Miami stood out. I mean, she, you know, was top 50 in the world as a junior and, um, you know, has, has really started to take off here is extremely professional in everything that she does and, and fun to be around great teammate. Um, Marta transferred from Texas, you know, same thing. I think she's going to play a huge role here. I mean, and any team kind of outside the top 25, you know, I mean, she was seven, eight at, at Texas. I mean, she's going to be top three for us and huge contributor, I think singles and doubles. And, um, you know, she had bad quad pull at the beginning of the fall and had to take some time off. So unfortunately, I think she was kind of getting back into form at the, at the end of the, uh, the fall, but, um, you know, Brumfield has a huge upside. I mean, kick serve like a guy, just an explosive game. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we got a lot of pieces that, that we can put together and, uh, you know, I think that line, putting that first lineup out is, is going to be difficult for us. Mm -hmm. No, it's really fun. And by the way, I'm totally stealing your phrase of we've got the Georges on the schedule because you do have all three Georges. I see yep. that's just, that's phenomenal. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm curious as you look at this team, because I know it's very inexperienced, but obviously there's a ton of talent on this roster. And I'm curious if the 500 rule is something you think about. I know that was waived last year. Is that something you would like to see waived permanently? No, I think you have to win. Okay. And I think if you're, if you're in one of those conferences where you could maybe you're still an outstanding team, but could be a little under 500, I, I, I think you have to schedule, you know, appropriately. And I think, you know, that can be tough if you go to national indoors and take a couple lumps but I think we have to adjust with it. I think, you know, for optics, I think to kind of align with the rest of the sports and, you know, across the board in the NCAA, we want to be on, you know, we say all these things like we want to be on TV. We want to be like volleyball and this and that, like, you know, you got to see a team over, over 500. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm seeing in your schedule again, a bunch of different double headers. I think I see three double headers in the first, you know, four weeks of competition. Is that just because, I mean, is that a byproduct of the inex I don't want inexperience is the word I'm turning to, but just again, the lack of continuity in this roster. You just want to see them playing together as much as frequently uh, as possible. What leads to that? A lot of it, honestly, was just hedging our bets of what was going to happen this fall. You know, if we had shutdowns, hey, we need a lot of matches. Yeah. You know, we need we need these guys to have a ton of exposure, a ton of opportunities. Um, you know, we knew we were going to have a number of new players that we're going to have a lot of parity. Like, who's yeah. who's who's going to step in and play five, six, seven? I mean. So we need those those opportunities for the team and just to get more matches and, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and with that spirit in mind, the eight-hour rule is something we've discussed a lot on these podcasts of late. And for our listeners who aren't aware, at this point of the season, four hours on court, four, four hours of gym work. Is that enough to reflect the modern demands of college tennis? And, you know, how frequently are you in a position where players come to you and say, hey, Coach Doherty, can you work with me? And you say, sorry, you've, you've hit your four. The eight-hour rule is tough. 
<laughs> and I, you know, I, you know why the NSA puts it in there. It's it's for student athlete protection, and you know we don't have um, whatever it's called that like the safety exception that lets us do that. Unfortunately, and you know they're asking all the time, and you know, the new players are like, well, I don't understand. I don't understand. Can I just ask? And it, it stinks, especially because I think we go we go so hard, and you always finish the fall on kind of a high note in a tournament, and then it's just completely shut down. So yeah. if some athletes need a little bit of time, some you know depending on majors and different things like that, and he need the time with school. But majority of the players, I think, you know, if we could get to the point where they can at least just ask and 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 do things on their own. I mean, they're allowed to work with a strength coach, which is great, but. Yeah. It, it's it's tough. I mean, if you want to be good, you need to practice, right? And yeah. the no, good it, players are chomping at the bit, and um, you know that's that's when it becomes on them too. Like, hey, who, what are you setting up on your own? What, mm-hmm. You know, the courts are available, the balls are there. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, again, this isn't a trick question, but did you know your compliance officer when you were at Wisconsin? The reason I ask is, I guarantee you these players know their compliance officer at Maryland. And it's just the difference being one would think nowadays, an athlete could look at said compliance officer and be like, look, you know me, I am asking coach, coach is not demand, like, you know me, I just feel like that's the difference. And that's why this rule is archaic. When I was at, I didn't even know what a 20 hour rule was when, when I graduated. I was like, I just, I do whatever I'm told to do, you know, like yeah. you just play. And I, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's a bigger picture thing with student athlete welfare, you know, and the additional days off that, that we all have to give them. I mean, it's, it's tough and we just have to teach, I think the athletes to, to get around it with setting up stuff on their own. And, you know, we would love if we could work with them, but if we can't, Hey, what ownership are you going to take on this? What, what are you guys going to be able to do? Yeah, no, and obviously that ownership is how you develop into a pro. And, you know, I'm sure there are players on your roster with pro aspirations. With that, I want to talk about the freshmen, you know, Mary, Calista, and uh, Francesca. And, you know, obviously two five stars, and, you know, Francesca is super successful as well. How have they acclimated to campus in semester one? Yes, so Calista's not with us yet. She's actually going to graduate early from high school, and she'll join us in January. But, um, yeah, Mary and Francesca, in great additions. Mary Brumfield is a ball of energy. I mean, she's a wild woman. <laughs> she's really fun to be around. Um, big game. I think we're just going to have to kind of mold her a little bit, a little bit more ball tolerance, um, a little bit more discipline, but the sky's the limit with her. I mean, she moves, she's endless power, um, you know, hits a really heavy ball. Um, and then Francesca's just kind of been getting up to speed. I think she was in one of those countries that was shut down and couldn't compete and then came in and her UTR is all goofed up, you know, it goes from a nine, nine to a seven something. And then, you know, with the tournaments, you kind of get labeled in or kind of, you know, pigeonholed into that. And then, you know, she did a good job getting through regionals, getting into super regionals. And, um, you know, I think she's really going to take off, but it's, it's been an adjustment for, for both of them, you know, because, you know, Mary never went to online, never went to, you know, regular high school and, um, you know, now is in study hall and tutors and just kind of adjusting to all that. And, um, you yeah. know, and, and then just also that relationship with your coach is, is different mm-hmm. in college than it was, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different dynamic. And I think they both love it, but it's just been a different, different deal for both of them. Yeah. No, it's what makes college tennis so exciting. And, you know, you talked earlier about all of the, you know, playing different doubles pairings, trying to find that continuity here earlier in the season. I want to geek out a little bit. 
at this point, are you looking for pairings or are you looking for continuity in the system? What, I mean, I'm sure it's a balance, but what are you stressing in terms of the principles doubles-wise this fall? Because obviously, as you learned last year, you know, that doubles point is so often the difference in these narrow, you know, thin uh, margin matches. You know, we, we have a system that we play mm-hmm. and everyone fits into that in a little bit of a different way. Sure. You know, and I think, you know, we're, we're teaching everybody the same thing and then it's what does their skill set how does that fit in? And then with a partner, um, and then, you know, sometimes you have to spread the wealth a little bit with the best players and, um, you know, figuring that out and, you know, who, who's going to make balls when they, when they need to. I mean, it's, it's fine if, you know, you, you say, Hey, they can do this, they can do that, but if they're not doing it, you know, then you, then you have to go a different direction and try something different. Um, you know, I don't like to pull quickly, you know, someone out of six or someone out of the doubles, like let's, let's let you get your feet under you and, and figure this thing out. But, you know, I think it is and finding, you know, I think with women in, in particular, they have to click too. I think there's an emotional piece to it that they have to click and trust each other and, and have some fun out there. Yeah. I think I say a doubles partnership is like any relationship in life. There's love, there's fighting, you got to touch some, you know, there's a lot of intimacy. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And I'm curious again, full nerddom here. Do you, you don't have to give away the entire playbook, but do you stress serve and volley to your players in doubles the way it was perhaps once impressed upon you? Like, I feel like even if you look five years ago, serve and volley was a bigger part of doubles than it is now. I think a lot of players don't know how to serve and volley anymore. So you can't, you know, I think the return is very important. I think serves are, you know, first ball, you know, I think playoff off the ground is is super important than positioning. You get in the right position, good things are going to happen. I mean, doubles is a lot more playing percentages and, if then, um, you know, we probably have actually three or four kids on our team that could serve in volley, which is fun to have. Yeah. Um, something to throw in a little change up because even as a returner, you don't see it very often. So it hasn't been as much, but, um, you know, those that have it in their arsenal, will let them use it. Yeah. Where are you with the eye formation? I freaking love me again. Was I good? Depends on the scale, like worldwide. Yeah. It's, if it's binary, I'm probably a one, not a zero on your scale. No. But, like, whenever we had issues in my service game, we always just, let's go I, because now we're putting some sort of movement, some sort of pressure. I feel like the the I form is not as prominent as it should. Really? I think I think it happens a ton. In Am I wrong? I'm just not seeing it? It's because there's three courts. I'm just not locked in enough. Um, I think it has a time and place. I think okay. some teams, I mean, you can hide a weakness. You can yeah. certainly highlight some strengths, you know, where, where, you're, where you're putting that net player to. Um, I think it has, it has, its play. I think it depends on the players and, sure. um, you know, sometimes I, I think it actually puts a little less pressure on the returner because you have more options and you can just choose a spot and go there. Right. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, okay, I have to get this cross, you know, mm-hmm. away from that net player. Yeah. So I think uh, there's a lot you can do with it. It, dep- it depends on the server too. I mean, if you've got a, someone who can really hit the spots, then you're going to be in a better place than if someone, you know, you're not sure exactly what's going to happen with the serve and you're just bracing. Yeah. No, it's, uh, we would always go kick wide and then my partner would always just be peeking. It's like, I'm peeking on the forehand, but I can cover that. That was, that was our conversations. Um, yeah, you I miss it very, very much. Uh, you give, again, there's a big smile on my face right now as I'm asking these questions. Well, again, as you look at your team this season, uh, and you know, again, I do want to pick your brain about some big picture topics, but just to put a bow on this expectations is too strong of a word, but I know, again, this is a young group competing together for the first time. What do you want to see from your group on court this year? I want to see us get better every match. I want to see us 
start to put this whole thing together. Um, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know where we'll shake out, hopefully kind of middle of the pack here in the big 10, but, you know, coming from where we were, I mean, then maybe we're, you know, most improved team in the big 10. I mean, we taken some steps forward. Um, I think we get some doubles points on our belt. We got a lot of players that can put points on the board and, you know, make, make other teams feel pressure. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches told me last year, they're like, your team was quite scary actually, because if you got the doubles point and you can find two, you know, that there's a, there's a ton of pressure on it that way. But, um, you know, I want to see some aha moments, you know, where things just start to click the things that, you know, we've been preaching to them. I mean, as a coach, that's so fun for me when I see that, Hey, we've been working on this over and over and over again, and it clicks and they look over at you and you're like, that, that's, that's why you did it. You know, that, that's what all the, the work and the suffering and everything else was for was for these moments. And, you know, be, be playing our best tennis here, you know, come April, March and April. And, you know, hopefully we had all, got all our bad luck out last year and, you know, we can stay injury free. I mean, I think that's a big thing. And you talked about, you know, UNC and seeing them in February. It's like, Hey, anything can happen. Come, you know, March, April and the weather in the big 10 can be wild. And are you in, are you out? Are you, you know, out in the Midwest and the wind, it's just, you know, a lot of things get kind of taken away from you, but the teams that, you know, can make balls or moving well or staying injury free. I mean, you know, anything can kind of happen there. Yeah. No. And again, I, I think everyone is looking forward to watching your team compete this season and looking for that bounce back. You know, we've talked about the players on the roster. I'm curious. And, you know, I've been asking every coach this question, but because I think this is one of the biggest questions right now is for all of you, how do you balance when shaping your roster you know, bringing in four-year players, players you're going to be able to craft and, you know, build a program around versus knowing, and I know it's heightened right now with the extra year of eligibility due to COVID, but hey, I can go find a Marta, I can go find, a, you know, Selma on the transfer portal as well. How do you balance those two things in shaping your roster? I, I think one of the most special relationships you have as a coach is someone who you've recruited mm-hmm. and gone through four years with. I mean, I, I do, I think nothing can kind of replace that, you know, you end on great terms or it's not as great, but still there's the bond there that I think is incredibly special that any of those kids pick up a phone, call us, you know, we'll, we'll drop anything to help. Um, you know, and that takes a while to get to, I think as a coach. And I think sometimes there are immediate needs, you know, we had a kid decide not to come back in August. I mean, we, there, you know, you, we had a need that we had to make, you know, when we, when Ayana decided to transfer, we knew we had, we maybe had to take some chances and, and go out there and do that. But, um, you know, we, we want to develop. I want that relationship. I want kids to get better. I want to see that progression from senior, from freshman year to senior year where, you know, freshman year, they're afraid of their shadow. And then, you know, senior year, they're giving interviews and you just see this, you know, super confident woman and where she's come. And that, I think that's really special, but, you know, you see an 11 UTR in the, on the um, portal and you're going to choose that yeah. you are in the moment, you know, I mean, that that's, that's the reality in the portal giveth and it taketh. So, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. which we've seen and which is, you know, that's just kind of part of the deal. But um, I do think there's a balance. I think we're all, you know, we want those four year players. I want someone who wants to develop and be in our system and be at Maryland. Um, but yeah, we, you know, yeah. you have yeah. to look out for putting the best team out there. And sometimes, you know, we, we're, we're lucky at Maryland. We have a couple one year, master's program so you know i do see us peppering that in um in the next couple of years but you know looking looking for those those good americans and and great for for your kids 
Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to Coach Cohen of Oklahoma for our listeners, and she was mentioning that transfer rates have always been higher in college tennis than they are compared to other sports. Obviously, it's just more pronounced right now, given there are more kids, but it does feel like big picture. I feel like transferring's been destigmatized. Like back 10 years ago, someone transfers, oh, there must be a bum kid or a bum coach or a bum program. And nowadays, it's just like, well, you know, sometimes the fit doesn't work. I'm curious, and again, we've heard both sides of the spectrum. Is the destigmatization of transferring, is that a good thing for college tennis? The repercussions we're missing, where are you on that? I mean, we've always had that one time transfer. I think, sure. you know what? I think we got to get with the times. I mean, I think it's like with the NIL and everything else, and, you know, coaches can leave and go do whatever they want. If, the, you know, if the athletes, need to find a different fit, then I think that that's okay too. I mean, I think, you know, I, th- I thought, I always thought the rule when you could block where someone could transfer to was re- really counterproductive and just a total negative thing. But, um, you know, th- this is going to happen. This is life now. And I think we got to lean into it and, and, you know, it can really boost some programs. It can hurt some programs. I mean, I think it's going to treat everybody a little bit differently, but um, I think the stigma is totally gone. You brought up NIL. For better, for better or worse. So. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with you. And I mean, yeah, it, it's just here to stay. Like that, I agree. I think that's just the fact. You bring up NIL. Where are you in relations to the new name image likeness rules? I know there's still a lot unknown, but do you think it impacts recruiting moving forward? I think to be determined. Sure. I'm, I'm not sure how much in women's tennis this is going to be. You know, I love that the kids can give a lesson now and, you know, things like that. I mean, my team's not that particularly interested in it, to be honest. Um, you know, and they got to shake out the rules for international athletes as well, how that's going to kind of all, all work out. But um, I guess it's to be determined. I mean, I don't know if it's better if you're in a smaller town where, you know, you're the only show in town or if it's going to be better with us near D.C. where there's all these different opportunities. But um, I think it's great for the athletes that some of these wheels have been taken off and they can they can do their own thing and be creative and whatever it is that they're into. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think we'll see. Can I posit a theory by you? Sure. So, yeah, perfect. Thank you. So, and I know it's different because you have the JTCC College Park right by you guys. And so it's a little bit different for Maryland than it might be for others. But my theory with NIL is if I'm a local club, like, you know, the tennis clubs in D.C. or whatever it may be, isn't th- this th- this is like the, the linkage to getting those communities to be invested in college tennis is you hire one of these Maryland players every it's a different one every weekend. One of them's coming to your clinics. One of them's hitting in with your kids and you're offering that every Saturday. And then, you know, once those seven, eight year olds, nine year olds see those kids, that's how, you know. They want to become them. They're invested. They're saying, Mom, let's drive up the road and go watch the Maryland match. I hit with Mary last week, and I really want to see her play. Like To me, that is what this NIL vehicle opens up most. Like That is the pathway I see for how you grow college tennis with these rules. I like it. <laughs> okay. It, I like right. it. I mean, I, I think... You know, we talk about growing, you know, a ton and TV and, and a lot of different avenues. But I think, like you said, like that personal touch when you know somebody, when you hit with them, when, you know, in, in our sport and particularly in our facility, you can be so close to the athletes that you can hear everything that's going on. And, you know, it's a very intimate, um, you know, venue. But 
you know, we let everyone who wants to watch our practice sit and watch our practice, you know, if they're coming in for a different thing and get to know the women on the team and their different personalities and their favorites. And, um, you know, they can talk to them after a match and, you know, we have up on our schedule board, everyone's major and they're like, Oh, I got to talk to her. She's an aerospace engineering major. And that's, you know, I mean, th those connections are what get a fan that's really going to stay, you know, that's going to be invested in your program and, and, you know, want to come out to the matches when it's cold and when, you know, different things are going on. Mm -hmm. And you, you brought up volleyball earlier that, and, you know, golf, I've heard college tennis, you know, look to towards models. I'm curious, and this is not meant to be a criticism of the ITA because it's just a fact. I think every entity invested in college tennis can do better. But my question is, does college tennis have a product problem or does college tennis have a marketing problem? I tend to lean towards the latter. Like, I think the product is so thrilling. And I think, you know, I, I read a study once that of non-revenue sports, college tennis has the highest retention rate. I don't think it's a product problem. I think it's a marketing problem. I think we have a fabulous product. Yeah. I do. I mean, I think, um, you know, I think tennis isn't that easy to understand. There's, I mean, there's, there's nuances to our sport. You know, it's not like you can just show up at a volleyball game and you're like, okay, I get it. I get the scoring. I get that. Like, yeah. And then when it is being broadcast and when you got six different things going on, a, li a little bit tricky, but I think we have the best players we've ever had. I mean, the, the ATP, WTA, I mean, we're, we're loaded and we're, we're sending out great players every year and there's great stories. Um, and it's just figuring out a way to kind of package that, if you will. I mean, it's just not easy if you're looking at a screen and you're, you know, what's this, what's that? Um, but, I, you know, being on TV is is important. And I, but I think we've, we've shortened the format. We've done some good things there. Um, and it's just getting the word out. And, you know, it, it was long. I mean, I played back in the day when it was two out of three sets for doubles. I mean, that was, that's that's a haul. I mean, <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to keep people's, you know, attention. Now, you know, my little people, when we go to volleyball or wrestling, it's just kind of condensed. You know a little bit more how things are going to turn out. But... No, I think we have a great product. It's ex it's exciting. I agree with you. With that said, a couple of other tweaks. I well, I've got some format stuff for you. We'll get now. It's time to get funky. But you know, when you look at the NCA individual tournament, should it be in the fall? Should it stay in the spring? Where are you? So I'm on the operating committee. So I've had I've heard tons and tons of conversation on this, and I'm starting to really like the idea of the fall. And part of that stems, honestly, from the way our regional was with the play-in opportunities that if everyone really has an opportunity and, you know, some of the pathways they're talking about to get there, there's a lot of opportunities, whether you're at Towson University or Maryland or the smaller schools, like if you're a great player, you know, you're, you're going to be able to get in there. Um, you know, I think the wild card is very important to the U.S. Open and opening that up to not just American players. I think would be a great play because I know a lot of, you know, people aren't playing in the fall. And I think that brings some of our better players back. Um, and, you know, our fall is, it's intensive right now is just to make it that much better. I think the summer circuit will just blow up if that happens. Um, you just have kids playing year round. And then I think in a way that helps the spring. Because a lot of times in the spring where matches are going longer and we're trying to play things out because we're worried about rankings and, and this and that, and you, you played a four, and that that's it. So I I, I'm it. coming around to it. I, I'm starting to really, you know, if it can get on TV, if it's the right time of year, it's, um, mm -hmm. you know, I think that it gets you the best players possibly. I know the format is so long coming through, 
um, you know, the team championships into the, into the individual and doubles and, um, you know, if we can get, keep, get and keep a great crowd, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of pluses. No, I completely agree. At the end of the three weeks, I mean, thankfully, Florida doesn't have an income tax because we were all paying it at the end of it there. And you're just, it's a slog. And, you know, I, I'm going to pick the operating committee brain here now because I agree with you, by the way, as a marketing tool, you know, is the USDA the only entity invested in college tennis of all the federations? No, but they're the one with the biggest share of investment, I suppose. And so one would think, you know, as such, they should highlight the college tennis winner regardless of the nationality. And Stella Perez Somariba and Paul Jubb are just as good of representatives of the sport as Sam Riffis and Emma Navarro. And I agree with that piece. I also think part two, and I know this is a pipe dream, but that's what we do here on this podcast. Play NCAA individuals that second week of the U.S. Open. And I know a lot of entities have to say yes to that. And there are some other pieces we can get to how to make that work. But you're talking about offering a platform for these college tennis players and, you know, making the summer circuit matter, all of these different things. Play it in the fall. Make it a 12-month ranking system, not just, uh, you know, a reset at the end of each year. And we'll drop out the seniors when they're gone. I know 1% of athletic departments would sponsor a senior to come back to play an event after they've graduated, and that's an issue. But that's an issue we can tackle. I just feel like the platform of the U.S. Open, that's where this is headed. That's wild. It's yeah, <laughs> a little bit wild, but I mean, your your brain's thinking the right way of like, how can we, I mean, we have such a good, fun product is how can we launch and launch some of these careers, you know, mm-hmm. that these kids that want to play. Um, you get that the wild be, card that logis- second week. Logistically, that's, that's, <laughs> logistically, that's tough. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I can know, imagine. From a coaching standpoint, but I, I mean, I think I like how you're, you're thinking and, and building off the big leagues and, and going yeah. from there. No, I, I appreciate that. To me, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's tough. I guess to the rankings component, would you be fine with a 12-month system, a rolling ranking system that seniors just drop out when they're done playing as opposed to what we have now? Because, like, these December rankings, as great as they are, there's no Draxel, there's no Navarro. Like, right, you just can't have outliers like that. Right. But to me, a rolling ranking system solves some of those issues. Yes, no, maybe so. Maybe I think so. there's a lot of thought. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you some maybe. I mean, I have to see it. I'm, I'm, and I have to see things written down. That's the kind of person I am to, <laughs> to understand them. Um, but no, I mean, outside the box thinking and, and, you know, pushing things forward. And I mean, it's tough with rankings, right? Like, I mean, yeah. would you want things like UTR and pro results factored in? Like, again, I could, because I think there's two lines of thinking. And I know, again, what does it look like in actuality is the question. But do we want the rankings to be most accurate or do we want them to be a reflection of the players with the best college results? If you want them most accurate, you probably put in things like UTR and pro results. If you want the college rankings, you keep it as is. I guess that that's the question to me. I'm curious where you stand. On the fence a little bit. And I'll, sure. I'll tell you why, because I am, you know, even though, you know, I'm very fortunate to coach at a, at a power five, like in our region and I'm on the regional committee as well. I don't know how I got roped into all these regions, but all these <laughs> committees, but you know, you hear from the smaller schools that don't have the resources to do some of the things that all of us do. And they have some very good players and how, how can we get ever like really find the best players? You know, is it just college tournaments? Is it the UTRs? Is it, you know, what is it? But 
yeah, I mean, to get, the, I'd like the best overall rankings to know who, who the best players are and reward players for playing, which I think is, is huge yeah. and, and very important. If, if they're going to go out there and spend the money and spend the time that, that we reward them for, for putting that work in. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you there. All right, now we're going to get funky down the home stretch last few for you. A little gimmicky, I apologize, but, you know, we'll start with this. No ad scoring. Has it grown on you? Yeah. Yeah, you're in? Absolutely. It, it doesn't compromise development. It's hard to watch sometimes the juniors where I'm like, oh, boy, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I think, I think the pressure point's fun. I think, you know, it helps the way we train. You know, I think mm-hmm. you have to be, you know, have some set plays that you can run in, in those moments. And, um no, I like it, and it it, it moves the match along. Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing worse as a tournament director. It's 9 p.m., and you've got a full third set or a third set breaker coming or whatever it is. It's 4-3, and they're deuce number nine on a court, and you're just like, kill. You're just like, please, I cannot watch this any longer. Um, you know, with that said, um, we talked about the t- you know getting the product on TV, and I know we don't want to compromise the product. That said... I think the most progressive stance, if you're looking for that outlier, right? The, uh, well, I was going to make a political equivalent. We can skip that for now. Um, I think it's simultaneous start. Like, I think that's when you're looking down the road, playing double singles at the same time, because, and one coach phrased it to me as that lull between the end of doubles and the, you know, first half of the first set of singles, whatever it is, you're creating a permission structure for fans to leave. I do think that is a bit of an issue. I'm curious if you feel that at all. I do. And I think that's one thing that holding the NCAAs in the fall would help with is because then we're not worried about, Hey, my number one player needs this result. You can plug them into doubles for that and make it really exciting trying to, you know, beat Michigan as opposed to like, well, we have to get this result so that we, you know, but the lull's tough. I mean, thank goodness they took it down to five minutes. Um, You know, it used to be 10 and that always kind of gets stretched anyway. So, um, you know, and I think, even making the doubles a little bit shorter. I think there, there used to be, you know, a lot of, uh, when I was at Iowa in particular, it was the women that just came to watch the doubles and then would leave. And now it's so quick that if we can just keep them there and get them engaged, um, you know, in the singles, I think, I think we're, we're off and running. I agree. Substitutions. I also think that's what simultaneous opens up for. Would you be in favor? One sub. So you can't like play, you know, one, three, and five singles. But let's say you're done with your doubles match, or you have someone on the bench. They can then sub into singles. Would you be in favor? So the match is already in progress. Match is already in progress. One coach. So I've heard both sides. Obviously, the the I'll give you the positive spin because I think the negative is obvious. Imagine a player being like, "Well, if I have a ten minute lull." I'm going to get subbed out. So it's like, I can't afford that. The focus has to be that much higher with the, I don't want to say the threat of a substitution looming, right. but with the possibility looming. Plus it's that much more engaging. You can hear the bring in the closer on court six and you get the video boards going. Like, I think it's fun. No, I think it would be fun. I think we've got to, you know, we need some freedom to try some, some different things out. And maybe that, you know, is a fall event. Like we were talking about with, mm-hmm you know, hidden duels as we play, Hey, let's play this format guys. Let's see what happens. And then, you know, I, I guess it's tricky with results. Like, well, can you put in a, you know, six, two, four, one, and then subbed out. But yeah, no, I, the other thing would be when there's an injury on court and this is a more serious yes. thing. I don't think we should ever stop a match with a withdrawal. If there's an injury, just why not let a bench player finish the match? I agree with you there. Yeah. Absolutely. That's an, that feels like an easy fix. Yeah. 
I mean, I think some of these are some of the tennis rules and we're, we're breaking that stigma of tennis being country club and wearing mm -hmm. all whites and, you know, all that, that routine that it's so rah-rah, but, you know, we are holding over a lot of like kind of older tennis traditions that, you know, we, we can break. I mean, mm -hmm. the grand slams are, everything's changing and we can, we can change with them. Oh, well then last two questions for you. A, last format one, coin toss. We can do better. And this is the one I'm particularly passionate about. Okay. Coin toss is out. One point, drop and hit, head coach versus head coach. Oh, boy. Winner decides the serving arrangement. Come on. <laughs> Crowd gets behind you. It's you versus Ronnie. Oh, oh God, my I'm gosh. She's a lefty. No, 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 no. She's... <laughs> um i don't know I'd, I'd like to take the coaches out of it and make it all about all about all right. the athletes then let's do rock paper scissors instead of the coin toss let's just get the competition going right away i like the coin toss with the players bouncing and getting ready i don't know i think it's i i i, I don't know if i can get on board with you on that one i need to see the meeting where it's like look paper is the 43 percent play like, we're throwing paper as a team, okay? I just want it for that meeting, because that, to me, it's the little victories uh, that keep you going. But our, my last question, and, you know, again, because I think too many players, coaches, parents haven't heard directly from you all, give me the pitch. Why should I come to Maryland? Why should I ride with the Terps moving forward? Well, I think you come to Maryland, and you're going to have a very full experience, right? You're going to have coaches that care about you and your development. Um, care about you and your school. I mean, we've top 20, you know, public school. We got a bunch of amazing programs that are going to, you know, kick you out with a job. Most of our seniors have jobs, you know, fall of their senior year. Um, you know, you're going to be in a cool place too. I mean, a lot of college towns are kind of in these, these bubbles where maybe you're growing as a player, but then as a person, you're still just, you know, kind of condensed in this bubble. And, you know, you come to Maryland, it's a little bit of a different bubble, right? You got one of the best American cities, maybe one of the best cities in the world, kind of at, at your doorstep. And they're building the metro that's going to come right onto campus and you can zip right into DC. Um, and you're going to come into coaches that are going to make you better. You put in the work. I mean, this is the big thing, right? It's you put in the work, we're, we're going to invest in you and you invest in yourself and then you're going to get, you're going to get a load better. So, but it's, it's a, you know, this is a great place and an athletics department that cares about you and women's athletics. And we have five head coaches on staff now that have won a national championship. And, you know, as a student athlete, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with Olympians and WNBA players and NFL. And it's just a environment of winning and success. And, um, you know, coupled with, we care about you and let's communicate and get better. But um, I think it's just like a very broad you're, you're going to grow a lot here, right? You're going to grow as a player. You're going to grow as a student athlete and, and, and as a person. And we're going to put you in situations and introduce you to people and everything else that are going to help, help move you forward. Yeah, no, I love to hear it. Well, again, coach, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. Very much looking forward to watching your team compete here this season. And yeah, I appreciate you letting me pick your brain. It was, you know, again, I, I know I throw some wild ones at you, but I appreciate you entertaining them all. Now, thanks, Alex.